0: your notes. We're going to start our lesson tonight. I promised you that we were going to talk about 2012, the end of the world. But what's the real scoop? I got this whole whole picture the other day when we were sitting, Trace and I, uh, together, I believe it was on your birthday when we were watching a movie and they were doing all the trailers before it got start, started. And and one of the trailers was for this film that will be coming out, I believe this fall. that's called 2012. I don't know if it's the end of the world is put on the end of it or not, but it's about the end of the world. And um, I'd also heard, um, and I don't study these things very carefully. I know some uh, some ministers really get, get into a lot of these things and I, I've just never, I never have, although it is interesting to me. But apparently the uh, Mayan pyramids and Nostradamus and some other things have have been uh, interpreted to read that what did you say December December of 2012 12 12, twelve 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 maybe I, there you go uh, and and uh, who knows I mean it you know I guess Nostradamus was right on Hitler's assassination so I, maybe he's he'll be right on this one I don't know. Um, yeah, it's always amazing how they can pull out that. But anyway, that all that being said, you know, I I mentioned one of these times they're going to be right and I'll assure you God's word will be right. And, and it just one more time, just underscored in my heart that this is, this really is something you need to talk about on occasion. I'm not a, I'm not a Hal Lindsey and, uh, other Jack Van Empies and others that, have spent basically a lifetime studying last things and the second coming, uh, but I know enough to help get you along. So if, if you can just hang tough, we're going to do this for about 10 weeks. And so I'll assure you in 10 weeks, we're going to have a lot of interesting, amazing things. In fact, Tracy's dad is really our family's resident expert on end times. He, (laughs) yes, well, he is that you know the story he was uh, paralyzed in an automobile accident nearly twenty years ago now and has ostensibly been confined to his lazy boy and so all he can do all day really and he does all day he has he has a a prayer list of about two hundred names on it, and so he'll go through every day that list of two hundred names and really it's kind of a neat thing I, I I really would affirm him in that because all the family, all the children and the spouses and the grandkids and great-grandkids, and they're all listening the animals, the dogs, the cats. I mean, no, and you, I'm not just making a joke. They are prayed for and interceded for. And, uh, and so he listens to our services every week. He is my long-distance member. I think he's the, most, the longest distant member I have currently uh, because he can't get up and get around. So Legacy is his church, but he has to do that by iTunes. So, um, but anyway, he has this time, so he listens to tons of tapes, CDs reads books reads his word he'll call us up my cell phone will ring and whenever it says whenever it says James Maccabee on my cell phone I know I'm fixing to get a second coming lesson for at least a few moments he'll go Kevin did you know and most of the time I have to say Jim I'll be honest with you I didn't know that because it's 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 just he's just into this and so he has been able to uh, turn me towards some people that have been really interesting and I've been reading some of the books he's been reading. And uh, there's one gentleman, and I'll, and I'll give him credit when that moment comes, but there's been one gentleman that's had just this amazing view of the rapture, and there have been several things about the rapture that I've always tried to make fit in my mind, and I could never make it fit, but he, he, is, he has taught this a certain way that for the first time, and I, and I mean, this is 30 years of studying God's word, I, I believe somebody has made sense. Of where the rapture happens and how it happens, and some things that I just don't believe the body knows at large. If, I mean, I, I feel like I'm fairly attuned to these things. Now, you may hear it and you, you may say, I've known that for years. Well, good for you. But I have not known that for years. So I believe there's going to be some interesting stuff that we'll be able to instruct all the way along. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read you a couple verses here just to get started, and don't be intimidated by the notes. But I I just I'm going to tell you why I have to start out this way, because if I don't, I feel like I I disseminate confusion and I hate confusion. Do you hate confusion? Man, I hate confusion. I I hate misunderstanding. I hate not getting it. If I hear someone teach something and I'm not getting it, I hate that there's something in me that grates that I won't let it go until I, I can get it. And so There's some things I need to give you before we get started in this first lesson because I want to knock out some confusion. But in Matthew 24, and, and we'll be coming back to Matthew 24 because it's a great portion of Scripture that talks about all the signs of the end. And everybody likes to talk about the signs of the times. But I just want to read one passage and then we're going to jump over to Peter and then the revelation. Matthew 24, verse 3, it says this. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, meaning Jesus, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. When will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So if you have any questions in this regard, you're not the only one. His disciples that hung around Jesus had a lot of questions about the end. And we're going to talk about what that means and how those signs fit into even our present day. Second, Peter, I mean, we could read so many passages and and we will, but I can't do it all in one night. Second, Peter chapter 3 verse 10 just opening up by way of interjection it says but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night how many of you grew up in church and you saw those old films years ago i mean these are the 70s oh i knew rachel you saw the one thief in the night distant thunder well i mean there was like a whole trilogy of these things scared the whiz bang out of you scare scare the whiz bang i mean we were first run You know, it's like when my children watch the Brady Bunch and they think it's new. I'm going, man, this has been, this has been on a while. Yeah. My son downloaded the other day. Scott, you'll like this. He downloaded Boston the other day. He was playing that old Boston album. And he says, dad, you got to hear this music. And you know, it's all that electronic stuff. And he goes, isn't that cool? And I said, son, I was listening to that in 1978. And he goes, no, there's no. I said, yeah, no joke. It was. Second Peter 3 and 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And those of you that have heard me teach, we'll talk about thief. In fact, I'll just throw this out to you that. That I used to walk around thinking that he was going to come to me as a believer, as a thief. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And we're going to talk about that. You'll see that in the scripture. But it says he'll come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in it, will be burned up. Then finally, in the book of the Revelation, we'll be spending most of our time in this book as we go through these weeks. uh, Revelation 16, 14, and again, we'll bring context to all these passages, so I know I'm sort of pulling things out here and there. But Revelation 16, 14, which I would see as being a part of the tribulation period, It says, for they are spirits of demons, it's talking about the bowl of God's wrath being poured out, they're spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Then he says, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gather them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. And this is what oftentimes you'll hear when they talk about nuclear weapons and even current wars. Is this Armageddon? Will this be Armageddon? And so we will, we will get to that as well. But tonight I want to just set some things in motion and I hope that you'll just make a commitment to be with me for the next ten Wednesday nights. I don't know, we may have to call a timeout on one of them for some reason because that's over two months and I don't know the whole schedule off the top of my head. But if you'll come the whole ten weeks... You're going to begin to get a picture and get a handle on what the end of the age Will look like and when people begin to ask you questions about the end of the age It won't be like you'll be standing there and saying I you know, I really don't know or let's go watch You know the movie 2012 and let's find out or something like that So I I encourage you to make a commitment to be here on wednesday nights And even even the world thinks that its end is a lot closer then we perhaps we previously thought and as i mentioned here in your notes we are at least one day closer to that event the question is can we know with any certainty how the end time scenario unfolds and the answer is yes to some things and no to other things and so in these lessons we're going to try to untangle what you can know for sure and what are some things you might just have to to watch and see them unfold now let me share this with you because one of the things that frustrates me is when you go into a Christian bookstore and you begin to buy books on this subject or read people on this subject, I, I, you know, I don't know how you read, but, but I can read things and I can see that this author doesn't agree with this author and this one sees it a little bit different and they put this one here and this one there and how come this one looks at it like this? I'm going to share with you that there are numerous ways that people approach uh, end times and I have my way. And the only way I know how to teach it is my way. I know the other ways. And I think you ought to know the other ways too, because everybody uses the Bible in order to, to underscore what it is they believe. And I think it's important that you understand this because when words start getting thrown around, if you don't understand what we're talking about, and in the next nine weeks after this, I'm going to have to use words and terms that I can't define every time we're together. So tonight I'm just going to throw some things out that some of you may know, some of you may not know. But at least we can all be on the same page and and we don't have to keep going back in order to to catch folks up. Now, let me just share with you there. There are basically what have I put down here five ways that people begin to interpret the book of the revelation. The book of the revelation was always meant to be a blessing to the Christian. In fact, the the book, it says, says, blessed is he who reads the words of this book. It was never really meant to confuse us or to get us twisted. I've got to be honest with you. I've steered away from it because it has such imagery and things in it. It just—it's sometimes it's hard to navigate unless you understand and and have a way that you want to navigate it. But it's important that you understand that there are groups of people who will begin to look at the book from different angles and different ways. And when when you hear certain teachers begin to explain it to you, you, you you'll at least be able to understand sort of where they're coming from now. I'm not going to go through. These words aren't important to you. You're not in a college classroom. Nobody's going to give you a matching exam or ask you to define these things. But let me give you the five ways real quickly. The first way is the preterist, which basically looks at the revelation. And they would say that the book of the revelation is to be understood exclusively to the events belonging to the closing decades of the first century. In other words, all the book of the revelation has already come to pass. That's how they would look at it. And they have points to be made. In fact, there are many people who believe that as you read Matthew 24 and as Jesus begins to speak to his disciples, that he's not speaking to this time period, but he's talking to them about A.D. 70, when Jerusalem falls, and he's beginning to give the signs of that era when Jerusalem ultimately falls. And so that's how some people will come and approach it. And we're going to talk about post millennialism here in just a minute. And most of the folks that believe in post-millennialism would hold to that particular perspective. The second way is the continuous historical, or the book reveals in advance outstanding moments in human history. Now, this group sort of extends the time period. In other words, the book of the Revelation begins to... It's kind of like Nostradamus. You know how Nostradamus supposedly prophesied some things? You know, he prophesied you know world war one world war two hitler 's assassination, the twin towers you know we 've heard all these stories. well, basically, they would say his writings are, are this continuum along the line of history well that 's how some would come to the revelation. They would look at the revelation and they too would find World War One and World War two They might find the French Revolution, they would see the dark ages they would see the maybe the corruption. And, and we'll get there when we get there of the of the Catholic Church and and these sorts of things and and the book basically brings us up uh, to this time period so so they extend uh, the interpretation of the prophecy a little bit longer then there's the futurist the futurist says that the book reveals only the church in history now this is going to be very important because a lot of times what happens and this has really been a mix-up in, in, in the body of Christ here lately, is that we don't know when we should interpret Israel as Israel and when we should interpret the church as the church. We don't know when the seed of Abraham means literally the people of Israel or when the seed of Abraham refers to you and me. Because Paul said in the book of Galatians, did he not, that once you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you too have become a part of the seed of Abraham. So, so there's... there's, there's some misunderstanding and some twisting well you need to understand that that most of the teaching that gets done nowadays on tv and and the predominant voices and writers always have a track for israel israel is very very important in in all the end time scenarios well this group while they would believe in many of the end time events israel is no longer in the equation so that's just an important distinction The fourth group is the group everybody probably hears from the most. This is Jack Van Empey. This is Hal Lindsey. These are all the the, the guys that write, who's David Jeremiah, uh, Chuck Swindoll. These these are the dispensational writers. And the dispensationalist presupposes two different peoples of God throughout history, Israel and the church. And so whenever you begin to look at prophecy, they'll begin to pull out where Israel fits in and where the church fits in. And, and again, dispensational writers uh, believe that Israel uh, has a unique and uh, important place in the end time events, and the church at some at some level does as well. Although most of them would say that the church is the church comes out of it, and really, there's not much going on with the church at all during the tribulation time period, or even the millennial reign. So, so the dispensational writers may not mean much to you now, but it's going to mean a lot when we when we get down the road. And then finally. There are those who believe that the revelation is simply spiritual or symbolic. In other words, everything you read in the book is all spiritual. It, it has it really has nothing to do with events, but they're all things you pull out and you can just make spiritual application. Now, I tell you, when I look at all of those, there are parts of it I could say I agree with it all. There are parts of it that are probably like that, but a lot of people are very, very dogmatic that they're going to fit in one of these places or another. So it's just important that you know these angles are out there. Now let me just, before I get to all these interesting drawings, let me just make sure we're on the same page. And I'm going to give you some definitions, and you can write these down. If you don't know them, write them down, because when I start using them beginning next week, I don't have to define it again. So someone won't have to raise their hand and say, what does that mean? Okay, we can, we can do it this way. Some of you have heard this, the word rapture which is the catching away of the church, the catching away of Christians. Now, as we're going to find out along the way, the question is, everybody calls themselves a Christian. So does that mean everybody who calls themselves a Christian gets caught away? And so we're going to have to talk about that. But rapture rapture isn't found in the scripture you're going to hear people on occasion say that word isn't even found in the scripture and they're correct it is not in the scripture it actually comes from the latin word when they translated harpazo out of the greek into the latin raptur, rap, rapturus or whatever it sounds like a dinosaur doesn't it i bet it i, I don't know my, I, I ought to ask my daughter she's taking latin so maybe she would know but anyway but it comes from a greek word i do know as harpazo which is catching away and, the, and, and while the word itself is not in the Bible, listen to me, the concept is. I mean, Enoch, it says, walked with God and he was not. Philip, you know, was baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch and all of a sudden, you know, he had a Star Trek moment. Beam me up. He's gone. Elijah got taken up in a whirlwind. And, and so we have moments that we see pictures of Harpazo. And and it's the word rapture. And I always look at folks, and and I, I know it's not in the Bible, but you know, Trinity's not in the Bible either. But but we know that concept is in the Bible. And and so we could go down the list, and I could tell you all the words that you use quite frequently. Original sin's not in the Bible. Sins in the Bible, but not original sin. Not the you know. But yet we know that concept is there, and so. So this concept is there and the question the question always is is where where does this happen and when does this happen and we'll get to that. The next word is tribulation. Now the Bible says that we all face tribulation, don't we? In fact, you can you be you may be facing tribulation this week. Now, as difficult as that tribulation may be, the tribulation I'm going to be mentioning is is not to be equated with that. This tribulation is what many believe to be a seven-year time period where the first three and a half years are sort of what we call, I mean, depending on how you gauge these things, I guess we'd say it's moderate tribulation, and then it begins to escalate into the next three and a half years, which is incredible tribulation. In in fact, um, uh, this is, Where some describe the wrath of God to be poured out is during this time period. And again, these are all things we're coming back to, but I just want to make sure you understand it. Then, I can never spell millennium. Why is that? M-I-L-L? E-N? Millennium? Come on, who bought some records at Millennium Music lately? I mean, get your receipt. Oh, well. I don't know how to spell I always misspell it. All right, there I did. I did that by the Spirit right there. All right. It's, I remember when they taught me, sound it out. Millennium. Okay. All right. Millennium is a 1,000-year time period. And in this 1,000-year time period, it is when there will be uh, unprecedented peace, godliness, righteousness, Again, we're going to we're going to begin to talk about even a little bit tonight as to where some people might place this. Um, but the millennium time period, uh, some if 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 you were a dispensationalist, you would believe this to be a literal 1000 years. If you if you interpreted it spiritually, it, it would be it, it would be figurative. Um, again, we're, we're, we'll talk more about that as we go down the road. But that's the millennium time period. Um, I have an eraser here there there are two interesting uh, guys that are going to crop up in our discussion Uh, the first one uh, we'll just call uh, the false prophet now there are many false prophets but there's there's one who is a notable one false prophet who is a sidekick of who Sometimes it's referred to as the beast, other times known as the Antichrist. Literally, the Antichrist is someone we could call Satan incarnate. Um, literally being moved by the very presence of Satan. And uh, although if you watch Hollywood movies, you know, this this Antichrist... You know, if you watched years ago the old, uh, what were those called? Damien and the, the Omen, see? I, I, all I have to do is throw out a word here. I figure out who went to those movies. So, Anyway, interesting, interesting. And it's always spooky and scary. And, you know, he rolls his eyes back in his head and some sword flies off the wall and somebody gets it. Um, and, and, you know, I guess that's great for Hollywood. But the truth of the matter is this is a very charismatic, winsome attractive yeah i mean this 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 guy is going to have the capacity to bring the world together now i'll just say this out loud i i i don't believe and, I, and if this is a joke okay so just take this if I, you know barack obama is not the antichrist okay he's just not he's not whether you agree with them or disagree with them, and, and Ronald Reagan wasn't either, and Jim, you know, Jimmy Carter's not, but George Bush wasn't, and I've heard people go, "Well, I counted the letters in his name," and it ends up being, you know, you just go, "Ah, this guy isn't even re- revealed until you're in the tribulation time period." Okay, could he be on the earth now, in the form of a of a child? Maybe, maybe, maybe which is where we get to the mark of the beast. And these are just some quick concepts because we're going to come to these things, which is 666. And uh, whether that's literal or, or figurative, we're going, to, we're going to take a look at that. Um, but the mark of the beast is, is that he will have such a hold over the systems of this world that the Bible says you'll not be able to buy or sell without having that particular mark and and taking the mark the scripture says absolutely disqualifies you from being saved all right so these are just some initial uh concepts if we come up to some more um tonight that i haven't thought of i'll throw them out there as well but hopefully if you'll if if most of you know that you can you can just be prepared because now I can use those terms and, and I'm not losing anybody. Let me, let me share with you how people approach this real quick. And I do this because I went to a seminary. When I went to seminary and we would begin to discuss these things, I went, uh, unfortunately, though the denomination was somewhat conservative, the seminary was super liberal. Of course, nobody really knew that till you got there. And um, everybody, all the professors that were there, believe it or not, were ah, uh, what they call ah-millennialists. Uh, and so, um, if we ever talked about it, we never got much help in understanding end-time scenarios. Now, you will see all these different tables there. And on that second page, there are two tables. You see Augustine's uh, millennial view, and then you'll see a second one that's there as well. I'm going to talk about this for just a second. It's interesting how people's view of the end times changes through history. The reason... Augustine and others d- developed an amillennial view in about the year eighty four hundred and five hundred. and 500. Those of you that know church history, do you know what happened about 8500? What 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 happened is, is that the church begins to enter into what they call the dark ages. It becomes very corrupt, very, very bad. It just There was only still one church. Unfortunately, we're not trying to hammer the Catholics, but that's all that was around until 1517, all right? but the church was corrupt, it was dark, there was little education happening, literacy was terrible, just everything. There was just there was just a time period there that was terrible. Well, as people read the Bible and they were trying to work through the victory passages and Christ ruling and all these things, they always interpret it through the lens of where they're at at the time. And so as they began to look at current events around them, What happened was they said to themselves, you know what? Obviously, the Bible is probably talking about something that is either a already happened. In other words, it's all been fulfilled already at AD 70 or it's just all spiritual. Because they couldn't conceive. Could you conceive when it says in the book of Daniel that they would be running here and there all over the world? That's what Daniel prophesied. He said knowledge would increase. There would be an explosion of knowledge that there would be a one-world currency. Could you imagine this in AD 500? I mean, some of the things that are being talked about. Well, they couldn't conceive these things, so they just automatically assumed that it was all spiritual. And so what amillennialism means, basically it means no. Ah means no. You know, ah atheist, no God. So amillennialist means no millennium. And Augustine was the one that purported this. So what they said was this, and you can just go by the chart and read what's down here. It says that the great tribulation and the millennium are not seven years and a thousand year periods, but they're symbolic. And so Israel and the church are one people of God. The church, they would say, is the kingdom of God on earth. There's no seven year tribulation because, dear God, if you if you were living in AD 500, how many of you know that's tribulation? I mean, that's bad news. And, and what they saw was they saw no difference between the rapture and the second coming. This is a good point rapture is what most of us have come to know as the secret catching away in other words you know no one's going to know and all of a sudden poof, we're gone you've seen that you know the the clothes are on the floor and you're out of here you know if you're a christian pilot and you're on a plane with a christian pilot it's gone plane crash i mean you've heard these things that's the secret coming where christ catches away his church so the church doesn't have to go through the wrath of god and so, and so uh, uh, that's usually a secret coming. But then the second coming is not to be confused with rapture. Many people do. They confuse these two concepts. Rapture, most believe, is a secret coming, whereas the second coming is when he comes with all his saints in order to intervene in the, in the nations of the world that are coming to battle. And he intervenes, and he settles it all, and and it's the second coming is when Jesus comes back and literally touches earth. You see, this one, he never never touches the earth in this one. He appears in the clouds, and we're caught away to meet him in the air, the Bible says. But this is the one, the second coming, is when he literally touches the earth. That's when his feet get on the Mount of Olives. And everything's settled, and again, most people... uh, in our time period, believe that the thousand-year reign starts at that particular moment. Now, in Augustine's day, that's not what they saw. I call it the U-turn theory. It, you'll see the little diagram here. What happens is, is that there's a catching away, but he would say we would meet Christ in the air, but then we U-turn. And we come down with him in order to rule and, and to reign. And there's no millennial period. It just That sort of just... Everything is spiritual. Everything is just analogous. The, 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 the judgment seat for the believer is the same as the great white throne judgment. It's just a different way of saying it. And, 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 and so that's how they looked at it. Um, there's another view here, a second view, which is, which is pretty much the same. It's really the view I, I was taught, which I no longer believe. But basically, it says that all of the kingdom promises that you see in the scripture have nothing to do with earth, but have everything to do with heaven. So, kingdom in in the mind of an amillennialist is nothing that you and I would enjoy here. But the kingdom is always something we're we're looking forward to, or we're going to. And again, I've I've taught on that enough to know that there's a there's a partial truth in that, but not a whole truth. Turn the page and let's go now, and let's talk a little bit. We could talk about these things a lot, but we got to get to the real meat of it, and only got nine more weeks after this one. Postmillennialism. I really, for a long time, played with postmillennialism because I really like what it said. Post-millennialism, and, and whenever you hear "ah," which means no millennial. Post basically uh, uh, says that the, the, the millennium, or really it's it's the it's where the tribulation kind of is is found to be. A pre-millennialist means that the the millennium. How uh, do I want to say that? Pre-millennial. It's before. Pre means before. The tribulation is before the millennium the post millennialists would say that there there are things that are following that, that are bad news for the unbeliever but post millennialism basically says that everything is getting better and better and better and better and better and better until it finally consummates in the coming of our lord jesus christ they would use a verse a uh, familiar one in first corinthians chapter 15 where it says that in the end that the kingdom will be delivered up to him And so postmillennialism is a very optimistic way to look at the end times. Now, postmillennialism, believe it or not, was the predominant way people viewed the end times up to the early 1900s. Because and, and if you look at history, think about what happened at 1517. At 1517, Luther begins to reform the church. Gutenberg creates his press. The word of God begins to be disseminated into the earth. Missionaries begin to go forth. America is discovered. Christianity is expanding. Now, you've got to have the eyes. Don't get eyes that are just locked into a couple decades, but get eyes that are locked into centuries. You think about what took place from, from A.D. 70 to the year 1500, and then think about what happened from the year 1500 to the year 1900. It was pretty remarkable. Technology increases. The dissemination of the gospel increases. I mean, Christianity is just exploding every direction. And the post millennialist will say, this is exactly what was supposed to happen. This is, this is how the kingdom spreads. It starts as a seed. It begins to grow. And they have an incredibly optimistic viewpoint that, that Christianity is slowly and surely going to become more and more the dominant feature until finally we're able, we're able to bring the kingdom and present it to Christ himself. And so, so the second coming or the rapture doesn't happen until after all those positive incredible things begin to take place that's when jesus catches his saints comes back and, and and it's presented to him that's the postmillennial view now postmillennialists are are really the people they're the intellectual power even to this day of of those that work in the political realm who believe that nations should be reconstructed, and who believe that we need to take back our godly foundations and restore godliness. There are a lot of post-millennial believing people who believe that because they're very much motivated, optimistically, to believe, you know what, we can take back, we have all authority, we can do this, and and we can take it back and and present it to the Lord. That's post-millennialism. John Wesley was a post-millennialist, his brothers. Whitfield was as well, just about everybody. But what happened was, in the early 1900s, Things started to shift, and, and there were two major events that took place that kind of took everyone aback: World War I and world war two and Once those two happenings took place, everybody sort of had to ask themselves what 's going on here because there, there, peace peace isn 't finding a place in the in the earth it, it, we're not we're, we're seeing hostility even towards christianity uh Islam you know was beginning to take take over certain nations and areas. You, you, you know that northern Africa used to be predominantly Christian. You know, that's where Augustine and most of the theologians of the early church came out of northern Africa. But, you know, you go to northern Africa now and you can't hardly find a Christian there. And, and so everybody started to look at all these things and it, and, it, and it just caused them to reevaluate. And that's where premillennialism begins to find its place. Now, what you and I probably predominantly believe in this room tonight we need to understand honestly that it didn't really begin to catch on until the early 1900s and so um when people say you know to us if you're a premillennialist, that you know that hasn't been around very long and other people have believed other views a lot longer than that they're right to some extent but i also believe that god restores things and reveals things in the earth line upon line order upon order precept upon precept And so uh, that's okay. But there are several views within that premillennial time period that I just want you to catch hold of right here. This is the cross. This This is the church going forward until finally, sometime, somewhere, there's going to be a rapture where the saints go up a seven-year time period of tribulation, and then a second coming where a thousand years begins to get started. That's what most people have come to understand. Let's use that, let's use that understanding, and let's move from there. There are those who are what we call premillennial post-tribulationists. Now, what that means is, is that there are many who believe that, that this doesn't happen. In fact, what happens, there comes a moment that none of us will really know, but there'll come a moment in time when we enter into the tribulation time period. And you and I will have to go through that tribulation time period, and as we move through that seven-year time period, it will be at the end of that seven years when basically what we knew as the U-turn theory, again, takes place. That Jesus comes, he rescues his church, We're caught up. We meet him in the air. We just gravitate to him, but then we come right back down in order to set up the earthly millennial reign, which will take place after that. That's called post-tribulation understanding. Now, all of these have scriptures. And I have toyed around with that idea myself because I've I've looked at the word. I've I've seen that in the scripture. Now, there's also what we call a mid-tribulation view. Right here in the middle at the three and a half year mark, there are those who make a similar case. The similar case this time is, is that the church goes through those first three and a half years and then they get taken out at three and a half years. Of course, there's no U-turn theory here, but then they spend three and a half years with the Lord and then he eventually comes back and uh, sets up his uh, earthly millennial reign. There's the, uh, I said the post-tribulation, the mid-tribulation view, um, which, which which was that one. And then there's what they call the pre-wrath, which is kind of, it's almost the same as this one, only, only it takes you a little bit further. Let's just say it's, I don't know, let's just say it's four years, because we don't know an exact time period. But the church goes through it four years, because it's interesting that the Bible clearly says that... that The wrath of God is not for his people. That God will not pour out his wrath on his people. It's very clear in the scriptures that that's true. But the question people always debate is, when does the wrath of God get poured out? See, for a pre-tribulation person who, who believes that we're going to be raptured out of here, they believe that the wrath of God starts that first moment of the first three and a half years. But if you go to the book of the Revelation, you don't see the word wrath show up until you get to the third sets of judgments, which I believe are bowls, and that's when the Bible says, now the wrath of God has come. So what that means to these people is this, that the, that the church has not been exempt from those early tribulation periods, but they do miss the wrath of God that will be poured out in those bowls. And that's called a pre-wrath rapture. All right, now, have I thoroughly confused everybody? Yeah. I'm sorry, but we'll get through this. I'll get I'll get you. How many of you? How many of you believe I'll get you untangled? I'll get you untangled. Just just, that's why you got to come 10 weeks. See, if you leave now, you'll be as messed up as your next door neighbor and you might as well go see the movie and figure it all out from that way. All right. New timeline. New timeline, here we go. The one most of you have come to understand and, and at least have some working knowledge with is the one we're going to work with. So we're going to end with where we're going to work. All right, but it was important, I think it was important for you to understand that there, you're going to hear all kinds of people say all sorts of things, and let me tell you, they're good brothers and they're good sisters and they have a ton of scripture and, and it has caused me to scratch my head all through the years and go, well, you know, the God, that's, that's kind of on target. But I'm telling you, I, I came across, I finally, because of what your dad funneled me, I'd never heard that before. I, I think we, I finally got the answer to what has been such a consternation in me. So this, what I'm about ready to give you is, is our working model for where we need to go, all right? And this is called uh, pre-trib, yeah, pre-millennial. There you go. Here's our timeline. The church is moving along. You know how it works. It was going along good. goes down. Gets some victory. And there's going to come a moment that I believe, yes, I do believe, that there will be a secret catching away. It could happen any moment. That moment could happen before you get home tonight. Literally, that secret catching away could happen at any moment. Um, and no man knows the day or the hour. Now, we're going to talk about whether you can know the season. I believe you can know the season. But we're not going to know. If someone, if, someone, if someone were to come out and say, you know, it's going to happen on December the 12th, 2012, well, I can pretty much assure you that it isn't going to happen on December the 12th, 2012. 2012. But having said that, don't say to yourself, well, I'll just keep announcing every day, every morning. I'll just say, today's the day, and he can't come then. Well, no, it's not going to work. I don't think it's going to work quite like that either. See, I know how y'all think. See, that's just, see, I was the same way. I'm going, I, I used to get up and say, Jesus is coming today. Well, that settled that. He ain't going to be here today, is he? All right. but there're going to be some interesting passages because the question because I've let me tell you something the thing that used to bother me and you could imagine why this would bother me because I've heard it preached this way because depending on what your view how you view salvation and security and all these sorts of things I mean there are people I've heard I have heard say this that on the day of the rapture that there will be people who will spring out of houses of ill repute wow really you mean i could be with a prostitute No, yeah, yeah. (laughs) metaphorically speaking, (laughs) if 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 Jesus didn't get you, I'll get you. That's what she's saying. All right. Yeah. There are so many ways I could take that right now. But you can understand why that might bring no small bit of consternation, at least to me, it does because what it says is this and, and whether it's and you know whether you're you know drunk as a skunk or whatever sin you want to put out there i mean and you mean you mean i'm living right and and everybody gets to go in the that doesn't seem quite right and and then, and so that's why i always felt for a long time i honestly believe that the rapture was put probably either midway or pre-wrath rapture i I taught that for years because i believe that the tribulation which the word out of again the latin tribulus actually means a sifting and i believe that there had to be some sort of sifting lord and and again again it just kind of depends on your viewpoint on 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 this regard uh i forgot what i was going to say because i was thinking of people coming out of houses of ill repute um but but there's a seven there's a seven year time period until finally there's the there's the second coming people say what's going on up here there's a big old dinner party going on up here no, no joke no joke marriage supper of the lamb this is this is this is the the giant communion service that Jesus himself will be presiding over there will also be, at this time, uh, what's called the Bema Seat Judgment, which is where Christians will be handed their rewards. So you'll be getting you'll be getting them, you know, your dinner in, in your honor, and, and you'll be getting your trophies. It's kind of like the big sports banquet, you know, if you've ever been to any of those. I'm just trying to keep this interesting. But literally, that's what's going on. The Marriage Supper of the Lamb, where every tongue, every tribe, every nation... Everyone that ever received christ and, and it's and it's truly born again because that 's going to be important thing they're they're, they're going they 're going to be taken away now i've got to stop here and we 're going to pick it up next time um, and and we 're going to build on some other things i'll probably i 'll probably teach next week on the signs of the end, but if you ever go read this week, go read matthew twenty five and go read that parable of the wise and foolish virgins. go read that sometime because i 've read that parable and, and And that's, and it just kind of always twisted me because I didn't see how it fit. And those of you that know it know that there were these wise young maidens and what they called foolish young maidens. And the Bible says that the bridegroom called and they all went out to meet the bridegroom, but some fell asleep. And the ones that were awake had brought what it says extra oil, but the ones that were foolish, it said that their lamps, if you read the old King James version, it doesn't do it justice. Um, and i 'm not against the old king james version it 's just that this time the verb wasn 't translated right because it said that their lamps had gone out now that that kind of it makes you think that somehow they lost God somehow in that, but if you 'll read the the original language it doesn 't say their lamps had gone out it said their lamps were going out they had lost their fervency they were still. They were still considered virgins. They were still ran out to meet the bridegroom. There was there's so many things that seemed to indicate they were, you know, they were believers, but it was only the ones who had extra oil or up to date. But the other ones that says the door was closed upon and 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 they weren't received. And I'm going to show you I'm going to show you out of the Bible that that right in here somewhere. That for those. I don't want to say this. Do you, do you realize that the day after the rapture, there'll still be Sunday service that next Sunday? Maybe, it may be the largest attended service at some churches. Oh, I'll guarantee you, there'll still be preachers. Oh, yeah, yeah. There'll still be preachers and pastors. But here's the deal. Here, we're going to find out. This is, and this is the thing. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, that's the nature of God. That, that, that there, there's going to be an opportunity in here for those for those who are prepared to press through this time period a part of this tribulation time period can i just say this that if that if you're a true believer right now i don't know about you but i press through some tribulation i mean i i'm just i'm telling you true believers man they have to press through some things they have, to, they have to get up every morning and they have, to, they have to run to the battle. They have to fight the good fight. They have to, they have to, they have to keep a watch over their, their lives. They keep a guard over their mouth. I mean, if you're a true believer, I mean, this, I mean, the grace of God is there to empower us to do this. And we do it with joy and we do it with peace and, and we do it with an optimistic outlook and all those things. But, I mean, I, I think you could say amen. I mean, living a Christian life in this world ain't always easy, is it? And yet you look at people who are living it half-hearted and they're living at compromised and they use the name of Jesus in sort of to bring some level of spirituality to their life. But you and I both know that, that, that they're just cruising and doing and they don't look much different than the world. And I'll be honest with you, I used to get really irritated saying, Lord, why are you calling me to live all out? And it seems like they get the slack cut. And finally... I've, I've come to the conclusion that the Lord says, well, I'm full of grace and I'm full of mercy and 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 I, I don't want anyone to perish. I want all to come under repentance. You know, that's the heart of God. But let me just tell you, there's going to be some who've lived their lives all out and for the Lord. And he's going to say, come on, these are the wise ones. You see, they just didn't have oil in their lamp. The Bible said they had extra oil. In, in fact, the, the, the foolish ones came up and they said, give us some of yours. <laughs> and it's one of those times you can be selfish. I got mine. I've lived all out. I pressed into God. I've worshipped him with all my heart. I've not compromised my life. I've lived it. I've walked the straight and narrow. Jesus says, come. Come. But there's going to be a time period, and and I'm just going to tell you that is going to be three. See, you can either you can either live for God and learn His ways and walk with Him for a lifetime, or you can get the whole shooting match in three and a half years. I think I'm just going to live it out this way. Doesn't that seem smart? That's why they're called wise virgins, not foolish. But I'm going to show you that. And there's going to actually be, believe it or not, you you may not believe me, and and I never heard it. Maybe maybe you've heard this, but I believe there's another boatload going up. Have you heard that, Novi? You've heard that? You you, you ought to be up here, dude. There's another boatload going. So I'm going to to leave a blog for everybody on. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just say say this. There's, there's, There's a great... In fact, to be to be candid with you, that's when the cry from under the altars take place and the cry that goes out. They say, how long must we wait, O Lord? And the Lord says he's talking to the martyrs of the ages. He says, you got to wait just a little while longer until your number is complete. And this is where the number will be complete. You see, under this time period, Jesus gave his life for me. And all he asks of me is to walk with a heart that loves him with everything I've got. Here, in this time period, you very well might be giving your life for him. Yeah, the Jewish people, but you're right, the Jewish evangelists get to go up. But the Gentiles that got right in this time period get to go up too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. I gave you just an overview of the weeks we're going to spend together and I'm going to sort it all out. So you see, that's kind of interesting, wasn't it? It wasn't too bad. It wasn't like college, was it? And it's just boring. And you're going, oh, this is so boring. I mean, what do I got to do to get an A in here? I mean, oh, all right. Maybe I'll just go for the B. (laughs) <laughs> yeah this one yeah this one is a little pass fail yeah that is true that's true hey i got a few minutes before i cut you loose i can take maybe two questions and then we'll then we'll go anybody got a burning question that just cannot wait and i'll try to answer it real quick yes Beverly. Like yes i guess if you want to use the term rapture yes that's what i'm saying right Yeah, well, yeah, the truth be told, if you're martyred, yeah, you're right. You you, you die, you go to be with the Lord. Right. But yes, to your other question, do I believe there's a second boatload which we would call a rapture? Yes. That's what I'm starting to say. Yeah. Well, no one's really going to see this because this happens so fast in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, we're talking like one ten thousandth of a second and we're done. Oh yeah, 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 those folks that have enough maybe have knowledge but didn't have but didn't want to you know, they you know, half-hearted. Oh yeah, yeah, they will have to and, and they'll have to refuse marks and, and this will not be an easy time period. No, it will not be an easy but it's not an impossible. I guess what I'm saying is it's not an impossible time period. And when we talk about the hundred forty four thousand that get that get clipped out of here, that's that's the group that they would go with. Right. Because if they're already really safe, really they go, the first the people who were gonna be saved, they're gonna be here for years during that time they may be saved and then a second. Right. Because because the wrath of God is still not poured Yeah, because the wrath of God in the revelation says it's not poured out till that third set of judgments that come out. So they still miss the wrath of God, along with those Jewish evangelists. No, no, not everybody will be. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no, not everybody. Yeah, they'll. Yeah, exactly. There, there will, there will be an underground movement of Christianity that will take place. That will be difficult. I mean, yeah, whether it be caves or, you know, out in in, or you know, uh, rural areas that they'll be able to grow food, et cetera. Yeah, I believe all that will be. But, but it, that three and a half year period, the the tribulation. Now you know why Paul says that the tribulation he faces is but a light affliction, because. For some people, they're going to get, they're going to get an 80-year Christian life experience in about three and a half years. So for me, I wouldn't want to do that. Yes, ma'am. The second boatload? Yeah, it's all between 14 and 17. I'll wander through it. We'll get there. And and you'll see it where it's, it's the trumpets blow again and all those kinds of things. So, yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, that's the commercial. Come on back. All right, guys. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you tonight that your word is sure. And, uh, Lord, it just causes us to ponder about our own life and where we are with you. And And tonight's just an opportunity. We're, we're still in the season of grace. We're still... We're still in the moment when the windows of heaven are wide open for whosoever will can, can come and respond to you. And, and Lord, I pray tonight that even, even in all this introductory stuff that we just threw out here, just to get everybody hopefully a little on the same page, I believe your Holy Spirit can talk to people. You can challenge them about areas, Holy Spirit, of their life that we don't want to be those that are foolish. We want to be those that are wise. Lord, I pray right now that you would not in any way, shape or form, let someone think that they can play the odds and somehow they can they can they can beat you at all these scenarios. Lord, help them help them now to respond to you. Say yes in their heart. Help them, Lord, to live all out. Lord, I thank you that you're doing that. You're you're calling forth an all out group and uh, I want to be a part. I, I want to be a part of the first boatload, Lord. I, I, I want to see you. I, I long to see you. So, Lord, talk to us, correct us, move on us in special ways that we can get everything we need to do up to date. Bless your people as they go their separate ways. Protect them. Lord, cause us to be of great impact in the earth in these incredibly interesting days. And, Lord, we're going to live all out for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you now. We'll see you on Sunday. going to be a good day on the Lord's Day, too.